0: And so when University of Montana went to the national championship game in 2008, hopped in the Cadillac, drove across the country 28 and a half straight hours, Chattanooga, Tennessee. So I was a, a gigantic fan. How'd you get a Cadillac? Well, Seems a little, me, uh, little north uh, my, my of your buddy, zone. My buddy yeah. Tommy Brown, shout out to him. He uh, he had it. So okay, he all borrowed right. It from Dad, and we the drove, friends we drove whip. To Chattanooga. Yeah, that's but great.
1: This is A New Angle, and I'm your host, Justin Angle, marketing professor at the University of Montana. This podcast is my chance to speak with cool people doing awesome things in and around the great state of Montana. We are proudly underwritten by First Security Bank and Blackfoot Communications. All right, welcome back. Thanks for tuning in this week. A little bit of housekeeping before we get into today's episode. First thing is that we have a survey that we would like you to complete, a listener engagement survey. What we're trying to do with this survey is understand what's working for you with the podcast and what's not. What we're doing well that we can do more of and what we're not doing so well that we can improve on. So we're going to be pushing this survey link out through all of our social media channels, A New Angle Pod, and also it's going to be on the landing page of our website, A com. So check it out. It takes about five minutes to complete, and uh, we'd really appreciate hearing from you. All right, our second announcement is that I want to talk about the sound quality here at the podcast. Hopefully you've noticed that we've made big improvements with our sound quality. A lot of that is due to the generous contributions of our sponsors, CED, Blackfoot, First Security Bank. They've enabled us to make investments in recording equipment that uh, is improving our sound game. Also, like to really thank Jeff Meese, our producer, for bringing a professionalism to the operation that we sorely needed. The third thing is we now have a home. We now have a studio. Due to the generous donation of Michelle and Lauren Hansen, two awesome graduates of the University of Montana, we were able to repurpose some office space here in the College of Business to serve as a multimedia studio. So this is not only a home for the podcast, but it's also a place where our faculty, our students, our staff can create cool media through video, through sound, uh, whatever, to take the best of what technology has to offer and use it to create uh, meaningful experiences for our students. So what uh, Michelle and Lauren have done with their generous donation to the College of Business is help us do what we do better, and we can't thank them enough for that. A small part of that is providing a place for this podcast to live, and along with that, it improves the quality of the, the product for us, for you, and we are so stoked about it. The name of the studio is Studio 49. It's a mysterious name, and we'll be sort of trickling out the story of that in the weeks to come. It's a special story that will resonate uh, with the listeners, but it's also deeply meaningful to Michelle and Lauren Hanson. So we thank the Hansons for their generous contribution to helping us at the College of Business do what we do better. All right, today's interview was it was a lot of fun. Caught up with Ryan Tutel and Colter Nuanes, uh the, the sports talk jockeys over at ESPN Radio 102.9 here in Missoula. These guys are so fun. They have great range. They can talk about all things sports, but also range into politics as well. And it was super fun to learn about how their collaboration came to be and their perspective on sports on the national scene, sports and politics, and also the differences between covering the Grizz and covering the Bobcats. Interesting stuff, and I'm excited to bring on to you right now. Okay, so we're here today with Ryan Tuttle and Coulter Nuanes. Did I get your name right? Golden? You got it. Okay. Nailed, nailed it the first well, first time that listeners are hearing it. Probably the third or fourth time I've tried it this morning. Anyway, good to have you guys here. Yeah,
2: thanks thanks for having here, us. Bro. Really excited to be on the pod.
1: So you guys are the afternoon voice of sports over at ESPN Radio 1029. And um, Ryan, you've been doing the show, what, since 2014 about?
2: Yeah, we started started with a one hour once a week deal in 2014, but yeah. we went to the full Kind of getting paid to do it, two-hour daily uh, format right at the start of 2015. So we're coming up on on four full years in the books, uh, sure. starting our fifth year here uh, at, the, at the start of the, the new year. Yeah. And
0: Coulter, when did you join the team? Uh, I've been here since August 2017, but I've been doing stuff with Ryan for probably, uh, I'd say, three,
2: three years. Yeah, Coulter was our insider. Well, he's still yeah. our insider, but <laughs> sure. he's the guest a guest on our show regularly uh, going back and then uh, when, when the seat opened up for the co-host, he was my kind of one and only uh, guy that I, I was hoping would, would do it. But he was living in Bozeman at the time, so it was no sure thing that, that he would come do it. But he has, and uh, I'm very grateful and happy that, uh, that we're together in this thing.
1: Ryan, right. So, Calder, you were living in Bozeman, but you know your your history in Missoula goes pretty deep. A graduate of our journalism program a few years back, right?
0: Yeah, I graduated University of Montana Journalism School two thousand nine. Um, I worked in newspapers for a long time. Worked at the Missoulian yeah. uh, while in school, and then right after school, and then I got a job at a little newspaper in Ellensburg, Washington, as the sports editor out there. So I spent about two years covering Central Washington athletics, both Central Washington University and Central Washington Regional High School athletics. Um, Then I tried some freelance stuff outside Seattle for a a brief time and then got an opportunity to come back to Montana. Almost actually moved to Great Falls to take a job at the Tribune covering the Grizz, but instead uh, ended up at the Bozeman Daily Chronicle covering Montana State. That evolved into then becoming the sports editor there. Uh, And then uh, because of a whole bunch of different circumstances, the whole thing kind of fell apart. Newspapers were in a bad spot at the time. And so I kind of took the jump to go out on my own, started a subscription-based website called Bobcat Beat which was exclusively covering Montana State Athletics, and then that evolved into now what we do, Skyline Sports, uh, skylinesportsmt.com, which is covering University of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference Athletics. And that's where I became kind of an insider for Ryan, was just giving him weekly or biweekly updates on everything happening around the Big Sky. And then then that's evolved now into what we have now with ESPN, ESPN Missoula and then me being back here in town.
1: Yeah, so we'll kind of talk about all that, but but before we get into that, I would like to just kind of investigate this notion of talking about sports. I mean, you guys, in a lot of people's view, you probably have the best job in the world. I mean, everybody, too. Everybody talks about sports. Yeah. But you guys get paid to do it, and you're really good at it, and it seems like it's all fun. But um, Ryan, let's hear from you. Like, this was a long time in coming to get an afternoon local show of your own. At a local station. I mean, that that took a lot of
2: hustle. How deep into the history? Can <laughs> I go Let's go on deep, this? man. You go all the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a
1: podcast. We're not. We don't have time slots or so, anything like uh, you radio guys have. So,
2: like a good Missoulian, uh, I drove around my AM only GMC S fifteen pickup truck uh, when I was younger and in high school and so forth. And all we all it had is I'm like it had the plastic area where the cassette should have gone, oh, but nice. we didn't have that model. Like We didn't get the upgrade <laughs> to play a tape. So it was AM only and I was cruising around and this was I mean, sports talk radio as such is very young. I mean, yeah. it's in still its infancy for sure, but it had just sort of started at a national level at that time.
1: Is that Mike and the Mad Dog were kind of the Right, prim- they're kind of the, the pioneers. pioneers of yeah, it there yeah. in
2: New York City and then the thing really started going nationally out of Vegas, amazingly enough, and and I mean I remember guys like Papa Joe Chevalier who would be on, and I would listen to these you know these guys, and I go, are you kidding me? Like this is a thing that you can do, and <laughs> and I sort of had that epiphany of of I mean, it's not unique, right? I mean, there's a, plenty of people out there that sure think oh well sports journalism or calling games or talking about sports that's perfect, but but kind of happened for me driving around uh, the streets of Missoula in that in that old truck. And uh, and so that was the seed plant, and I actually went to school for print and broadcast journalism to that end of, mm-hmm. of sports radio, and specifically sports talk radio. I mean, I thought that was the sweet spot for me, not knowing, not having having ever done anything, uh, you know, to to be sure. But I did that, and I uh, went to Pacific Lutheran in Tacoma, Washington, my undergrad. And then a bunch of other stuff cro- kind of cropped up in terms of areas of interest, bounced around did a you know, traveling and a bunch of different jobs and so forth and so on. It was out of Missoula for about thirteen years, and then finally came back um, after grad school, and didn't have a job. Didn't know what I was going to do. Didn't know what I would I would be up to. And and I was like, well, maybe maybe now is the time to actually get try and get back into that f- sort of original dream. Sure. Uh, to some extent. Well,
1: and there's nothing happening here in that in that market. That's right.
2: Probably licensing
1: other other. You know, when did ESPN buy the? I kind
2: of so ESPn I think kind of went on the air in Missoula in uh like 2007 yeah. 2008 but okay. you're right there there was some local games that were called on there like high school games and so forth but there was no local sports talk content as yeah. such and to be honest the the trend of radio is well the trend of everything is is efficiencies and so forth but the idea of a DJ sitting live in in his or her studio for four hours doing music and talking is almost dead. Like that doesn't really exist anymore. People come in, they voice track for a half an hour, and then they they do promotions or they do sales or they do other things. So the, the, the romance of like the DJ behind the mic isn't really there. But talk radio format, that's not true, whether it's political, whether it's sports, what have you. You're, I mean, it's real time. You can't, uh, you can't fast forward through. Or where to hide? You're blathering. So, <laughs> uh, so, but with that, it's a resource intensive thing to put on the air. I mean, it's it's a high cost uh, uh, operation from a radio standpoint to have it, and so you really have to be believe in the product and committed to do it in order to do it and do it well. And we're fortunate to work in a place and for you know for a manager for ownership that does believe in that. And uh, and so when I first got hired, what first thing I did at the radio station full-time was only sales. I was hired as a salesperson.
1: Okay, selling ads.
2: That's right. And I had done some on-air stuff calling games for the station and stuff before, and they kind of knew that I wanted to do the sports deal. Uh, but I was sort of the champion of ESPN from an advertising standpoint first, and then I would go in and say, well, hey, you know, if you ever wanted to do a show, here's how it should go, and I should do it. Having, of course, never... Done a show, right? Just telling them this is I'm the guy, and this will work. And they you know, they were kind of they're very hot and cold about again the resources and all that kind of thing. But uh, at some point, they had wanted to, their idea of getting ESPN in the first place was to localize it, which you should always do sure. anyways, and put a show on and they weren't sure if i was going to be the guy if you know the talent was there you know all that kind of stuff but they're like we will try it which is when Tuesdays with Two Tell started in like September of 2014 mm-hmm. once at one hour once a week and i went on the air not getting paid for it but just allowed to do the thing that i was hoping to do and then uh, f- you know 4 months later we had a partial ownership change and the the new ownership that came in joined the existing ownership that had wanted a show for a long time and really put the resources into it. And so, and I just happened to be the guy in the place at the time. And so uh, that's kind of how the thing got launched. I did push for it. And I did some things in my background that I think prepared me to be ready for the moment when it came along. Mm-hmm. But I also didn't have to, I mean, it, it, it went very, very quickly, all things considered, when it started to roll.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, once this, 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 the station invests in it, right? As far as freeing up the airtime, committing the resources, I mean, it kind of has to move fast to prove its to prove its worth, right? Right.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, and and to your uh, point earlier, I I I'm thrilled with the job. I mean, to do this work in my hometown and really with culture to break ground. I mean, there's never been a. Uh, a, a local sports talk radio show, as such, in Missoula or anywhere in Montana. Now, there's been a couple others that have come along since then sure. that are kind of rolling, and that's great. But we, uh, I think we're we're pretty foundational in that respect. And a lot of it is sort of, you know, riding by braille. You just kind of feel out what's what's out there in front of you and try and try and make you know, good choices about all of the aspects of what it is that you're doing, but there's no roadmap for it. You know, you're, you're inventing as you go. And Colter and I are about to do a bunch of inventing tomorrow. As I, I told you before we started, you know, we got a, we're we're storyboarding our 2019, uh, tomorrow, the two of us. And it's great because we have this autonomy to say, Mm -hmm. this is where we want to go. This is the vision. This is the hope. How do we get there?
1: Right. And I'd love to get into kind of that thought process, um, You know, when you started your partnership, you had Tucker Sargent, and I know Tucker because we, you know, collaborated on a class project here for his uh, Sergeant Sticks thing. Yeah. But my understanding was, you know, Tucker really had no kind of radio journalism experience, just like sports and was your first partner. And then, you know, Coulter, you come along as transitioning from this insider role, but also bringing this tremendous resume of journalism, award-winning journalism in a variety of markets, Uh, coming back over from... Bozeman back to Missoula I mean what's that been like for you to to get involved and kind of transform something that 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 Ryan had going well but but could really absorb a new dimension
0: the the biggest I think the thing that makes our show something that I'm very proud of is the fact that we have definitive roles I think that's one thing I love about sports in general covering sports from a journalism perspective commentating about sports on the radio is sports mere life and Role definition and team chemistry is so important whether you're a professor at the University of Montana or you are working at ESPN Radio Missoula or you're playing for the Montana men's basketball team. All those things go hand in hand. And I think Ryan and I both have very defined roles that make it, uh, make our chemistry very good. You know, that last couple days, for example, Ryan was out and I had to be the number one on the show. Mm-hmm. I'm not a good number one. If you listen to the show, you probably thought it was fine. Ryan is much better at it than I am. And that's what our defined rules are. It's, it's kind of like with the Grizz basketball team. Rory Rory's the best point guard on the team. Michael Oguine can play the point, And when Michael Oguine plays the point, he's not he's not bad at it. But Michael Oguine is much better at playing the two sure. when Ahmad Rory's running the one. Just like I'm much better playing the two when Ryan's being the one. Um, because because I still consider myself a journalist. I, I enjoy the commentary part of it, especially on the national level, because I do think, you know, just as someone that's loved sports my whole life, expressing opinions about things like the NFL, talking about you know my Minnesota Vikings versus Ryan's Green Bay Packers, that stuff's fun. But as far as the substance avenue of it, I still widely consider myself a journalist, first and foremost, and so I try to bring that insider angle to it at all times. I, I have a you know I can talk about the NBA and the NFL and all that stuff but I have a hard time talking about any sort of subject from a commentary standpoint unless I have a completely entrenched knowledge about mm-hmm. it and and if I in other words if I'm if I don't talk to you all the time if I don't interview you or I don't get your take on your program from a coaching perspective for example from a player perspective I have a hard time criticizing you sure. but if I do if I am with around you all the time and I think that we have a good trust factor then I think that makes it a little bit more easy. So it's been a little bit of an adjustment learning the radio co-host role, so to speak. But um, by and large, it's pretty fulfilling, especially because, like I said, I think we have such a good dynamic where I can provide so much of the reporting and the substance, and Ryan can then help with the commentary, the entertainment, the steering of the ship, as well as then give his own in-depth thoughts about a lot of things we talk about.
1: It kind of brings up this issue that you know if you're thinking about politics or, or news in general, and it's just there's so much kind of consternation about this distinction between commentary and journalism. Yet in sports, there is perhaps that distinction, but the line just seems like it doesn't matter quite as much. I mean, you can have knowledge and you can have a perspective, and you can blend those two in your in your coverage of an event or a game or whatever, and that seems to be more permissible and accepted in the forum than it is in, in political journalism. Can you speak to that a little bit?
2: This is something I've thought about so very much, yeah. and I think that Coulter definitely has, has perspective on this as well. Here is the issue, in my opinion, both within sports and then more broadly within our culture. The reason it's permissible in sports is because sports is, at its core, entertainment. Mm-hmm. And so because it's flippant, because it doesn't really matter who won... You can say anything you want, and it doesn't really matter. And by anything, of course, I'm speaking about the games yeah, themselves. Yeah, yeah. We understand the the very, very deep and important role that sports can play culturally when we think about maybe things like domestic violence and things uh, along those lines and where these are very, very important conversations with sports as a really defined entry point to those. But when it comes to the commentary about games, right, wrong, otherwise, so forth... Like, people just want to be entertained. They want to hear right. your thoughts about it. And, and because it doesn't have import beyond just this thing, this fandom that people have, the blurred lines aren't really, aren't really critical, it seems to me. Where there's, it,
0: there's also such concrete results, though, too, right? Yeah. Like, the, I mean, the fact of the matter is we can commentate and report simultaneously because the results are so tangible.
2: Yeah. Uh, the other thing, though, that I would say is that, and this is this is my little, you know, national critique now, uh-huh. that at the end of the day, when it comes to politics or, you know, other areas that really do matter and that the distinction between journalism and commentary and analysis and opinion should be held very, very clearly, ultimately, we still just want to be entertained. Yeah. And the people... I had a very long conversation with my father in two the wee hours this very week about this very thing. And, and he says, you know, I don't understand why it is that, quote, news outlets feel enabled to use adjectives, some of them disparaging, others complimentary about certain people. I said, well, the reason is, is because that's what we, quote, we want. Yeah. That's what we consume. It's infotainment. It's infotainment. And so... It's up to us who, you know, for the stuff that matters to curate the content that we get and find it from places that we think are reliable, respectable, and trustworthy. Uh, But the reality is, I think the vast majority of us don't have the time or feel the pull to do that. And honestly, I also think that there's a very, I, I don't know that it's uneducated, but why would you be able to know exactly the difference between a column and an article when it came to, uh, uh, you know, uh, political writing? Right. In, in, that's that's a professional, technical sort of separation that's there, and when you, when it's made clear, it's very obvious why that's important. But not people are just trying to buy eggs and take their children to school. They're not, you know, out there kind of separating the stuff out in a way that matters. And I know that culture, that's something that you have you've spent a lot of time thinking about and writing about and trying to find that, too, in sports. I mean, you were trying to define what it is. You're a journalist. That's what you do. Well, what does that mean, and how does that work, especially in a role that's also a commentary role? Too?
0: And the the this lines get so skewed, especially when it comes to, like, television, especially if we're talking about the political example. For sure. Because I do think that, by and large, people mistake what they see on TV as news rather than news commentary. Mm-hmm. And so often it's not news that's, and, and I think that the line is a little bit more discernible because I think people that choose to consume their news through reading have a much more critical eye, just, just naturally. I think that those two things go hand in hand. It takes more effort. It takes more effort. And yeah. I, I do think that the people that read the front page of the New York Times compared to the editorial part of the New York Times, they do know the difference, certainly. Uh, I do think that there's a lot of people that don't know the difference when it comes to commentary on the uh, television and radio side of things news-wise, politics-wise. But to your point, on the sports side, it doesn't really matter if you know the difference between the two because so often the two meld. If I'm reporting some news about, say, an athlete that's academically ineligible, it goes hand-in-hand with commentary. this, (laughs) this This person is academically ineligible. What does that mean for the team? Right? What does that mean for the rotation of the team? Not necessarily what are my thoughts on this kid perhaps not going to class or not taking his academics seriously. That's more of a slippery slope. That's one, something I don't really like to get into. Mm-hmm. But I always think of things from a news perspective. So if a kid gets in trouble in downtown Missoula, not necessarily what do I think of his personal choices. I don't necessarily like to go down that road. But what does his personal choices, how does that affect the detriment of the team right because that remains news while also dipping into commentary so i do think that there's some uh, some intertwining there the other thing that i've always thought is being around college athletics you know skyline sports we, c- we cover exclusively big sky conference athletics so we're exclusively college and i think that being around these groups you said this on your your podcast with vanessa gregorius you guys were talking about um, sexual assault on campus that's right and you were talking about um your your experience with some student-athletes, and I think that t- twofold. One, I think that student-athletes, especially at a school like the University of Montana that has such high-level and visible athletics, these kids are held to a higher standard, and if they meet that higher standard, I think, by and large, they are leaders in a lot of different ways. Because yeah. if, if if Ryan is failing his classes in philosophy, and he gets put on academic probation, that's a big deal to him and his family, but it's not in the newspaper. Whereas if an athlete on the basketball team gets academically ineligible, that's going to be on the front page of the newspaper. So I do think that there's a certain element of uh, respect that needs to to be given to these kids because they are being held in a spotlight. But then also being around the coaching staffs, I think that these guys work longer and harder than most people would ever imagine.
1: A New Angle is underwritten by First Security Bank and Blackfoot Communications, two cool companies doing awesome things all over Montana. Hi, this is Steve Albini and you're listening to A New Angle.
0: And that's one thing I I've always told all the especially specifically football guys that I'm around football is so much about preparation and yeah. and breaking down film and bouncing ideas off of each other. A lot of times it's a, it's a borderline unhealthy level of grinding, especially not the Not borderline. Well, we see it's that, unhealthy. We see
1: this just yesterday with Urban Meyer retiring for right. the like right. second time. And you look at, at his press problems. conference and
0: he looks awful. Oh, yeah. right? I mean, this guy's obviously been working 15-hour days for five months straight, and yeah. it's, it just doesn't look good. But it's what I always tell the coaches is I, I will always try to work as hard as you guys work. I'll put in the same hours as you do so that when I am giving takes on the radio or I am interviewing you, the questions are worthwhile or the takes are well-researched. And, uh, I think that that helps build trust with the people on the other side of the spectrum and also gives the due respect that I think a lot of these, these people that are involved in higher, higher, uh, division one athletics in higher education deserve.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a tricky distinction. It's like, you know, we, we kind of have, like, like you said, Ryan, maybe with sports, it doesn't matter, Yet it matters to the viewer that, I mean, people are engaged with their teams probably far more than they are engaged in politics. Right. I mean, the universe of people that are sports fans is probably much more than the voting populace across the, the country, you know, for better or for worse. We can debate what that means for us as a society, but you know, people live their lives as if the, <laughs> the quality of their life hangs in the balance right. of these, these games that we watch.
2: Well, and when I said it doesn't really matter what we say... Ultimately, that's true. Like lowercase m, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, exactly. But we certainly have a responsibility to our listeners to to be first of all informed and second of all honest. I mean, the the one thing you get uh, when when we talk about the opinions that we have, the perspectives that we have, we take pains to express just that. Hey, mm-hmm. this is a, this is. This is what I think about this deal. But then when we say that, people listen to it for information, I think, because they understand that we have, you know, access and time that they don't have to to garner some of those things. And it does matter to them, and they want to listen to us, and that's that's the kind of point of what we do. That's the give and take of the entire endeavor. And, and it's very important to us to ensure that the information that we have is, is accurate and worthwhile and also the... The perspectives that we have are really, really well, uh, sort of considered and uh, and and important in that way, and even more, I would argue, than what what's done at the national level because we're in a small community. I mean, we live in this yeah. place, and we're in Western Montana and in the state of Montana at large, and people aren't really doing what we're doing here. And so, you know, you can say anything about the New York Yankees anywhere in America, and it's just like, okay, well, that's that's the thing that's out there, but here. You know, we are going to be in the press conferences. We're going to be with the student athletes. We're going to be with the fans, with the parents, the siblings, all of that stuff. Oh yeah. And so it's it is it's delicate at times to be honest if that honesty is critical. Like right now, it's a great time to be honest about the men's basketball team, right? Of course. It's the greatest thing going. I mean, they're unbelievable. <laughs> and uh and yet Well, like, they're
1: unbelievable and they're doing great things with the people on the team. I mean, Travis and his crew, like the, the students are doing well in the classroom. They're, they're good citizens. Like the whole Everything. story is positive. The whole program. So that's a fun one to cover. Right? And, and, right. And and program.
0: I thought you were, I thought when you were Vanessa, were talking about the, the, yeah, sort of the similar it's, it's, He was the exact person I was thinking and, of. And tra- Travis DeKir, and I think this is a great example for, for people that, that wonder why there's guys like Ryan and I that are, are just so passionate and borderline obsessed with sports. At least for me, Sports, again, sports mirror life, and I think that we could take so much from a lot of the structure that we see within sports and apply it to life and have that be successful. Travis DeCure is such a great example of how unwavering leadership and a sharp, focused vision can be laid out and then when it starts to manifest itself, become so successful. I think you could use this whether you're making – a coffee shop, a radio show, a yeah. business class.
1: Making baskets or making cars or making computers. Or... Right.
0: It, it just, it, to me, it shows how essential good leadership is. Yeah. I th- and I think, I mean, you and I have talked about this off the record. I think that there's some, the University of Montana is in a very interesting time. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like, as you said on one of your previous podcasts, it's sort of the reckoning period. And I think that if you use the example of men's basketball, it just shows you how important unwavering leadership can be to, to lead you into
2: –
0: to make to make progress, to make the progress that you need, or, or to revamp yourself, remake yourself. And I think that – I'm hoping, and I have good impression so far, it seems like Seth Bonner is the right guy to do that. So I think that there's a great parallel there within sports to everyday life. I
1: agree. I mean, that's such a powerful concept. And probably why people buy into it so much is because it, it does – it is such a power sports, such a powerful metaphor for life. I mean, you can kind of, you can escape your life in a way, but there's also things you can, you know, personal experiences you can draw parallels with and, you know, the value of hard work and all those things. I mean, you know, the lessons I learned as an athlete form almost everything I do every day. Yeah. And, and that's the experience that ton of people have as well. Um, makes me think though like we're talking about some of the bigger issues here, and it makes me think with your kind of two two thousand nineteen visioning exercise that you're about to launch into what are some of the bigger questions, bigger issues that that you're going to investigate maybe through the lens of sports, but you know things I'm thinking about like you referenced domestic violence with yeah. athletes before, and you know sexual assault or concussions in football and other sports not just football other sports have concussion problems too like are you investigating these broad issues and how do how do they fit into your your thinking about your show
2: yeah that's a good question uh there are certain things like the like concussions is a great one. I mean, we've had Sarge Patel, for the neuroscientist from yeah. from right here at the university, on a couple of different times. He's doing research that's in part funded by the NFL uh, yeah. uh, to do what he does, and he's great. and And so those are sort of some of the direct uh, uh, bigger issues. When it comes to things like domestic violence, maybe the national anthem. And various others along those lines. A lot of that you can't plan for, because it becomes a national narrative at the point that it takes sure. place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I am, I am somewhat disappointed to be, to be quite frank about the state of affairs when it comes to our attempt to simply open a conversation about some of this stuff.
1: You mean uh, your attempt within the show? Within or? the show, yeah, okay. yeah,
2: within the show, which I think is is also analogous to what's happening more broadly. Yeah. Um, the... When the anthem protest first started with Colin Kaepernick going back, you know, 18 months or whatever it was, um, you know, I spent a lot of time, a good portion of my day thinking about that and, and while offering... You know, I still have to say what I think about things, offering as tactful and what I felt was as sort of a centralized view. And if I can just be arrogant for a minute, I think I'm, okay, I'm good at this. Like I can go out there and, and be empathetic with both directions on this and why you would be and why you would feel that. And by the way, I, I personally feel the pull of both sides of this to sure. a certain extent. Um, when I finished say, saying exactly how I wanted to say what I had to say about it, Calls for sponsors to quit advertising with us, yeah. emails yeah. and text, and so. Uh, as I, I
0: was gone one day, I, I I got viciously ill last fall, just for a brief moment, and Ryan had the show by himself, and he did this great. I thought it was amazing, maybe a twenty-minute, basically, um, monologue about just both sides of this national anthem issue, and then the rest of the week we spent going to see sponsors and advertisers that were just completely bent out of shape. Wow.
2: Or, yeah, or, yeah, just, just, just check it in on that stuff. And, and I guess the thing that's frustrating is that, uh, you know, it's, it's the same as in sports, right? If Grizz fans, when we talk about Montana versus Montana State or something like that, are like, why are you guys always pumping the cats up? And Montana State fans is like, well, of course they're Grizz fans. They're in Missoula. You know? And the point is, is yeah, like we're, it's wherever you are is the thing that you see. You know? yep. And to particularly now, like politics in, in particular, right? I mean, it's a two-party system. It's always polemical in that way and, and, and uh, sort of binary. This particular point in time, though, it's, it's personally so to a lot of people. It's not merely philosophically so. And because of that, it is very difficult, and, and I think probably even best not to touch on that stuff when they rub up against each other. Mm-hmm. Because, particularly locally, there's no good way to do that. Uh, because because it's it's no like trying to mend fences or trying to see both sides. It's everybody hates you. That's that's been my experience of it, and that's and that's too bad. And so it's a long winded answer to your question. We will talk about, you know, domestic violence. culture talked about yesterday. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ruben Re- Foster picked up by the Washington Redskins is obviously a big story, and people have uh, a major more, misgivings obviously. about this and how this would happen and so forth, and reasonably so. Um, that stuff we definitely touch on and will continue to. And the bigger issues that are non-political issues, we will. But when it gets into politics, even a little bit, it it. Uh, it just doesn't seem like it's like the like the squeeze is worth the juice.
1: That's tough though, because when you, know, you could look at it like this business with Kaepernick the National Anthem, and then President Trump wading into it, um, you know, it almost makes it impossible to stay away from. It's like this right. world of yours that can exist outside of politics all of a sudden becomes political, and, and you almost have to take a stand. You could lament that. On the other hand, it's an opportunity to, to make sports rep- you know, make sports more relevant in a, in a, in a way that, that it does matter.
0: One of the things I, I would, the way I would describe my education at the University of Montana Journalism School more than any other thing is training in an action of becoming an objective and an unbiased person the repetitive nature of making yourself be that. And I've seen myself evolve like that. When I, when I was in school at the University of Montana, most of my best friends, my roommates, they played football for the Grizz football team. I grew up with a couple guys that ended up getting full-ride scholarships. I think they were the first kids from Missoula to get full rides for the Grizz sure. for 10, 15 years. They were, my, they were my best friends, and then that got me into this world. And that was at the time, you know, I was in school at the University of Montana from 2005 to 2009. The, the absolute peak years. Of, yeah. the ba- Absolute peak of Bobby Hauk. I never watched the Grizz lose at home in the regular season. Not wow. one time in my college career. And so when University of Montana went to the national championship game in 2008, hopped in the Cadillac, drove across the country 28 and a half straight hours, Chattanooga, Tennessee— so I was a, a gigantic fan. How'd you get a Cadillac? Well, Seems a little, me, little uh, north my, of my your buddy, zone. My buddy yeah. Tommy Brown, shout out to him. He uh, he had it. So okay. He, he All borrowed right. It from Dad. And get we the drove, friends we drove whip. Chattanooga. Yeah, that's but, great. <laughs> so, to be truthful, I was a gigantic fan. I don't consider myself a fan in any form now of anything, when it comes to sports, and I think that gives me a unique perspective when it comes to analyzing sports. But um, to your point. I think when you people, – people have a hard time of st- of understanding what uh, objectivity is because people have a, a hard time understanding things that they don't encompass. So if – almost everyone has a preconceived bias. One of the main books that the University of Montana Jerusalem School used to make you read, I, I don't know if they still do, but it's called Unbiased, and it's just about the concept of human bias and how I could present Justin Angle and Ryan Tutel with the exact same thing and what Justin Angle thought about this subject – beforehand will almost surely be reinforced by what I tell you, whereas what Ryan thought will be reinforced as well. Even if I say the exact same thing to both of you, it could reinforce different notions depending Mm -hmm. on what your preconceived notion was. When you delve into politics with sports, I think that that even ignites the fire of emotion within your consumers much more. So they can't necessarily separate the two. And even if you completely objectively present an idea, It will fan the flames on both sides. I think that's a very, very— Activates
1: all these priors and all this other stuff. It's a very,
0: very, very slippery slope. So I think that that's another reason why I think that our show works so well. And my role in the show is solid because I have worked so hard and so relentlessly and done it for so long to project this image of objectivity. And when we're analyzing a play call on the goal line by the football team, that resonates and so i really really hesitate to dive into things like politics because i worry that diving into politics will then take away the credibility of something as simple as what play Travis Kier ran out of a timeout
1: right or somebody's perception of your politics might take away their perception of your your objectivity right. i mean the thing the, the thing with the, the Kaepernick thing that's so kind of interesting to me is that you know it's a bit of a devil's bargain that the nfl is engaged in with they've kind of wrapped themselves in a form of patriotism that is unique across other professional sports leagues. And then this conflation with the military as well. I mean, the NFL has so embraced all this militaristic imagery. And you could see that initial pivot with with Kaepernick protesting police violence to that being, I don't want to say misinterpreted, but interpreted as as protesting the military
0: right Jeff Choate Montana State's head football coach he is he's a he's a tremendous orator and I think that that is why by and large we talk about the projection of vision and the the um, solidification of your your stance as a leader Uh Jeff Choate is so good at that he was a, a high school history teacher for 10 years before he ever got into college coaching so he's very comfortable with the concept or, of oration, of, of giving a lecture. So every time he is giving a press conference, he's got a lot of gravitas, he's got a lot, a lot of presence. But I thought he made such a good point about this whole thing. He said, why hasn't the National Anthem controversy trickled into college athletics? Because there's a tremendous amount of minorities playing college sports. There's a tremendous amount of young people that would that have even less to lose in terms of taking a stance. And he said, there's there's some guys on my team that come out of the locker room and take a knee, but it's not a controversy. Why? Because the NFL requires players to stand on the field because, like you're saying, there's this monetary, there there's this endorsement. The U.S. military is a yeah. gigantic... I mean, it's a production value. And, and the U.S. military, the United States Army, is a gigantic endorser, endorser of the NFL. Mm-hmm. They want to push the narrative of football is modern warfare. They want that that analogy to be true. So therefore they want the giant flag waving in the middle of the field. And that's all great things. But then it gives it gives the athlete the chance to protest, which I'm not going to give an opinion here nor there on what that is all about, but there's plenty of college football players that would protest. But what happens in college football? You listen to the national anthem, for example, at Washington Grizzly Stadium, everybody stands. Then the team runs out on the field. Right. The team's not on the field because there's not that endorsement. Mm-hmm. There's not that monetization. I thought Choate made a good point when he said that. You can tie this all together, and there's a reason why this controversy doesn't exist in college football because there's not the monetary tie between right, the two right. entities. That's a good point. It makes sense.
2: But again, I mean the the explicit nature of what plenty of guys say. I mean Michael Bennett's a great example. He he protested during the national anthem, not protesting the national anthem is the son of a military veteran, like a retired, uh, you know, army vet and has grown up in that family. And yet to people, the national anthem is, is effectively the military fight song. I mean, it is, it is the, it is all and only about the United States military rather than as a symbol of the United States as a whole and everything that's going on. And so if you hold that perspective, then, then taking a knee, during the national anthem is very disrespectful to the military uh, because that's that's what in, in many people's minds the national anthem is and granted it is a military song right mm-hmm. i mean it was written uh, you know during the, the the revolutionary war so i understand that aspect of it but at this point if it's a national symbol and there's a national problem then it seems like a reasonable venue to have a protest if that's your platform, and and again, I understand why people don't don't th- that why there's people on both sides of this thing. Articulating that in a way that appeases anyone is 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 <laughs> yeah, maybe a, a bit of a question. fool's errand. You know? Yeah, yeah, fool's
1: yeah. errand. You're you you have lived that experience. Yeah, too. Yeah. I mean, trying to be thoughtful, trying to be nuanced, trying to be balanced doesn't necessarily get you much. Right. Um, particularly in your line of work. Mm-hmm. So let's. Um, yeah, we're supposed to scream. Just, yeah. just, just make
2: asseverations about everything that ever happens. To your hot spleen. takes. That's right. Yeah,
1: hot takes. That's what we want. So, speaking of hot takes, let's maybe um, hear a little bit about you know, Colter. You cover the Big Sky Conference. What's it like covering Montana versus covering Montana State?
0: Wow. <laughs> that's whoopsie daisy. Yeah, there the go. Most, <laughs> that's the most loaded question I could possibly be asked. Um, amazing. Um, well, it's 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 so interesting because Ryan made the comment about. The, the See, parall- he thinks he asked you a sports the, the parallels, question. The parallels, between exactly. Mont- the parallels between Montana and Montana State are so fascinating because as the only two Division I universities in a state that is that is so passionate about sports, oh, to go on a tangent here, uh, the I think that one of the things that that our show serves such a purpose for, and I think this is why people gravitate towards commentary almost across the board, is that... At the end of the day, and this is why I love your podcast, because I, I, I get the feeling that you are very much like me in the fact that you want to know how people tick. You, you just want to know what, what makes them Yeah, go. I mean, how,
1: that's kind of the whole impetus is to understand how people,
0: yeah. How they, and, and, how and how each unique individual can add to the fabric of life. Well, I think that we all strive for personal connection so much as well. We all, we all want to feel connected to each other, and the easiest way to connect is through conversation. Well, so how then do we find common ground to conversate? We need talking points. And I think that that's why I do what I do in Montana, because I think one of the main talking points that we can all gravitate towards, I'm not going to have anything to talk about from someone that lives in Malta, Montana, or Glasgow, or, or you know, Miles City, for that matter, except sports. Yeah. And I can talk to them on a very real level about the sports in their community, about the sports around the state. That's what I think makes, especially football in the state of Montana, so cool. When you have a kid like Shane Cochran, who played inside linebacker for the Grizz, he's a fifth-year senior this year, now I ran into Shane Cochran after the Cat Grizz game, and I just went up to him, and I shook his hand. I said, yeah, I got a lot of respect for you, man. I know you weren't a starter this year, uh, but you, but you made it five years from Culbertson, Montana. It's I mean, a big you, deal. You, you put eight-man football on and, and you made this happen, and I mean, Culbertson's a town of, what, 250, maybe 300 people? He means the world to those people. Mm-hmm. And he also brings that town into the conversation of everyday life. And I think that's what makes this all so cool. As far as the, 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 uh, the way that to covering University of Montana and, and Montana State, it's so fascinating because when I first took the job at the Bozeman Daily Chronicle, my brother... Brooks, who's my now business partner at SkySportsMT.com. He does all our photography. He right. runs the business side of things. He manages all the subscriptions. That's our sole revenue stream is subscriptions. Uh, people paying basically a uh, monthly fee to read our premium content about Bobcats, Grizzlies, and the rest of the Big Sky Conference. We do give away most of our around the Big Sky c- coverage for free because we don't really have a way to market in Davis, California, for example. And you know that stuff is a lot less intensive as, as far as this, the beats that we cover. But Brooks was playing here at the University of Montana um, when I first got that job. You would have thought that—I can't even think of an example of a a notorious world leader, but you would have thought somebody very very scary would have moved to Bozeman, Montana. When I took over the Bobcat yeah. yeah. the players were very, very hesitant to talk to me. Interesting. The coaches— Hey, so it took a ton of work for me to build trust. Yeah. I'm not a Grizz spy. I'm not going to, what you tell me, what I see at practice, I'm not going to call up my brother to go tell Bobby Houck or Robin Flugrad about what's going on at, at Montana State University. You have to trust me as far as, uh, as a journalist. I was only 23, 24 at this time. So it was definitely an uphill battle. Well, then I basically built my reputation up so much in Bozeman, then running Bobcat Beat running the Bobcat Football Review and Preview Magazine, and then launching Skyline Sports as basically the Bobcat expert in the state of Montana, that then when I moved back here, ironically, oh, yeah. I'm Facing the Bobcat the other, guy. the way, way around, yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's like I always, it's like Carol Van Valkenburg, who used to be the, the chair at the uh, journalism school and the advisor for the Kaimans Like she always said, if, if no one's criticizing you in the world of journalism, yeah. then that means no one's reading you. Right. And if if you well, must be doing great. <laughs> if you're if you're like me and you're covering both sides of this rivalry, if both sides think you are a homer for the other side, you're probably
1: probably doing it you're right. You're probably doing it right, yeah. and so that's
0: what I always remind myself. But as far as the differences go, uh, it's been very fascinating because one thing that I, I think was one of the biggest learning experiences for me after graduating from University, university of Montana was the essential nature of cultivating sources but also just being in touch with almost everybody that's involved in an athletic department at all times. Because I was so entrenched in Bozeman, I still have a great relationship with their sports information director, Bill Lamberty. I consider him a good friend of mine. Yeah, he, fa- he is top-notch at his job. I think mm-hmm. he, he absolutely kills it, and he, he facilitates a ton of stuff for me, even though I am abroad quite a bit. Um, covering the University of Montana has been a lot more tenuous, and it's a lot, been a lot more difficult uh, there's a lot of different ways to approach the way that you message your sports programs to the media. I think that the way the Montana men's basketball team does it right now is spot on. I think that they I think they have it completely locked in. As far as the way that the football team has gone about it, it's been a lot more difficult because there's been so much controversy. I think that there's been a lot of bridges burned between the media and the For football sure. program. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of this never-ending cycle where if if you're locked out from just getting basic access— as a journalist, you're going to always dig. But then if you always dig, your coverage is going to be inherently negative, yep. which then makes the the subject less inclined to yeah. give you more access. This so it, it, cycle. It, and, and I think that, you know, I stepped into back into this cycle after being away for six years and the climate already existed. So I don't know if necessarily know if it has anything to do with me or us or ESPN or anything like that. It's just a very uh, different climate. And, you know, I I hope to get to the point where we can sort of change that, because I do think that, especially when it comes to sports journalism, sports writing, the coverage is inherently positive. Almost everything you're going to write, with the exception of just the absolute black and white nature of wins and losses, almost everything else is going to be inherently positive. Like if you're writing feature stories, one out of 10 features might be about Timmy Falls, for example, who was absent from the men's basketball team because of you know, some sort of in house issue, he was not at the Creighton game, but then he comes back. That's a quote unquote negative story, but then we you were able to then project it in sort of a positive way because they let Timmy do an interview after the game the other night. He took full accountability for his actions. Sure. He said he learned from it. And now there's no mystery and
2: speculation about it. No and,
0: <laughs> and and it's and even though it was maybe a quote unquote negative situation. They dealt with it in a positive fashion. They let the media then consume it and then project it in a positive fashion. And I think that that's where we can get to again. It's just going to take a level of trust. I think that what's happened at the University of Maryland, I think, is a great example of why it's so scary when athletic departments sort of close down their doors, shut their doors, because if you don't give journalists anything and there's no... Level of trust. There's no off-the-record conversations. Then all of a sudden, the only the, yeah. then then every every story, whether it's positive or negative, is being projected in maybe a way that the the subjects sure. don't necessarily want it to. And so, I think that there's it's definitely a slippery slope. But um, it, it's a long long answer to your question. Yes, it's, it is. A it's, very long answer. It's <laughs> so it's so hard. It's so hard for me being a University of Montana alum and realizing that I can get pretty much whatever interview that I want from any school in the Big Sky Conference at any time, except for the town that I live in and the school that I went to. That's difficult. Mm. And I don't think that it's necessarily there's anybody to blame for that. I think it's more of a climate issue, and I think that there's a way to shift the climate. It's just going to take a lot of hard work.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of common sense. The last thing you want to do is give a journalist a reason to suspect something. (laughs) Right. <laughs> a reason right. to investigate. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully we're moving in a direction where we have, I don't want to use the word transparency, but a little bit more collaborative relationship. I mean, you guys have a job to do, and the coaching staffs and the athletic department have a job to do as well. Those jobs are different, but they overlap in some important ways, and we can maybe do better there. Um, guys, we got to kind of land the ship a little bit, but— um,
2: I thought we were just taking off. We're just getting started <laughs>
1: yeah you you only do two hour increments that's, right
2: that's right at a minimum I mean podcasts, no commercials, I mean, let's rock and roll here. <laughs> No, go ahead land the ship. Bring it well, into port. Well, so there, let's Justin. let's talk about
1: how to find your, your the great work that you two guys do. ESPN ESPN Radio 1029. You're in the afternoon 4 to 6, right? The drive time slot.
2: In the afternoon 4 to 6 uh, here locally Western Montana down the Bitterroot as well. Uh, you know 1029espn.com for the stream and yep. then the podcast is also available there or on the TuneIn Radio app, iTunes and Spotify. So it's it's pretty available that way. Uh, Skyline Sports MT as well for the for the news sort of side of it, which is all Coulter. Check it out. Subscribe. Yeah, and uh, please. Are we confident enough about this to say this now? Can we? Is are we this, making news? We're we about to make some we, news. This may be the. First I think we
0: can. I mean, it's it's got the green light, so I think we can do it.
2: This is the this is the first uh, public proclamation of of this, but uh, we're been, even scooping ourselves. Been in the works for <laughs> a little. Yeah, we're not even breaking this on our own show, uh, but. Uh, we are going to be statewide on television. We're going to simulcast simul really? the radio show. You know they do this on, on ESPN, Fox, all oh, on yeah. those oh, yeah. national guys. And uh, so SWX Television, who does uh, a really great job at a statewide level of covering sports in the state of Montana, getting a lot of great content there. Uh, but if you have a 24-hour network, Content is king. I mean, you really, you need it. you're really looking for it, and and uh, and so we are hopefully first of the year here going to be uh, statewide on TV with the radio show. So it, and it's not a separate show from what we're already doing. It's basically just turning a camera. Are they going to
1: rig up cameras in your current studio? Yeah, our, are they're already we in. Already, have them? already yep. up. Awesome.
2: And so uh, and so that is on like channel 199 on cable television. It's also available on terrestrial free TV uh, on like the dot three affiliate of. Of whatever it might be I think in it's your 23.3 yeah here, here in, in Missoula Canada. it's it's that and then you'll ha- you'd have to look it up in your own area but we're excited about that because that will also shift our content as well to focus sure. more broadly on the state as a whole rather than sort of a Missoula centric and then out from there uh, which we're excited about and hopefully that will continue to uh, to broaden out both our our uh, where where we go to but also. Maybe push some other radio avenues as well in the future. So we're excited about it.
1: That's huge! Congratulations, folks! Yeah. Well yeah. earned, hard earned, and well deserved. Appreciate it. And yeah, maybe somebody someday somebody'll want to uh, stick a video camera in here. Although I don't know if people want
2: to see how this sausage is made. <laughs> <laughs> it's very for those of you who are not here, which is everyone. I love this room, man. Got yes, the low very lighting, very nice walls, comfortable. Well, also, has, this they, coffee. Like feng Shui, is that what they Feng say? Shui.
1: Feng Shui, absolutely. This is, uh, this is Studio 49, a generous gift of Michelle and Lauren Hansen. They funded this operation, this home for the podcast and other multimedia ventures here at the College of Business.
2: Well, Mister and Missus Hanson, I can tell you, your uh, donation was very well used. I love this room. I might, this might be the new radio studio. I don't know. We might try and <laughs> shift in here. Come on over anytime. Yeah, this is we great. We charge a little bit of a
1: licensing fee, <laughs> but you guys are multimedia superstars. So that's right. Give we'll, us a we'll little piece of the puzzle. We'll
2: expect expense account, no problem.
1: Right. And then you'll have all the access you want to everybody here. Perfect. All right. We're starting to go off the rails, so uh, I'll let you guys get back to your programming. And thanks so much for all the work you do. And uh, I love what you guys are doing and look forward to what comes ahead in 2019.
0: Keep killing it on this podcast. Yeah. It's awesome. New England's the best podcast around.
2: You're doing doing a great job, man. And uh, enjoy listening to it.
1: I appreciate that. Thanks,
2: guys. Thank Thank you.
1: Okay, super fun conversation with Ryan and Coulter, and uh, we made some news at the end, right? Their big announcement about their TV deal. Those guys are multimedia superstars here in Western Montana, and it's super fun to uh, be a part of the conversation with them. All right, next week I get the chance to speak with another fantastic writer, Melissa Stevenson, resident of Missoula, graduate of the University of Montana's English program, and she has recently published her first book. It's a memoir called Driven, and it is incredibly powerful. You're going to hear a lot of parallels between what Melissa has chosen to write about and her own life experiences and how she approaches her work and the work of Cheryl Strait, who we heard from last week. Anyway, I uh, was super happy to have Melissa on the podcast, and I'm excited to bring you that conversation next week. Remember that A New Angle was brought to you by CED, Consolidated Electrical Distributors. By now, you've been listening long enough to know that these guys are big and that they sell pretty much everything electrical you would ever need, but you might not know that they hire a ton of University of Montana students. If you want to learn more about careers at CED, visit cedcareers.com. It's a great website name. Before we go, I want to thank some important peeps. Comzar, Elizabeth Willie, interns, Aspen Runkle, Mason Dow, and Max Gibson, Huge thanks to VTO for the tunes, and finally, props to Jeff Meese, our master of all things sound. Before we go, if you have any questions, suggestions, comments, insults, whatever, please email me at newmontana.edu. Help us spread the word, and be sure to use the hashtag, A New Angle, when you do. Thanks a lot. See you next time.